Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis alongside Pratt Rogers for this extra edition of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. We got Tulane this weekend, Pratt. We had a big win over Mercer. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. I am doing great. It was a great Labor Day. Um, just so so glad to come out of there with the W. Well, it's not just a W. It was kind of a special W. That's a lot of points. Now, Bill Flowers is a but it's Mercer person, and several people are going to say but it's Mercer, but that's the fourth all, most points all time in SEC history by any SEC school in an opener. So only three teams did better than Ole Miss did against probably far worse teams in 90 years. So I, I just think Ole Miss fans need to remember that. I agree. I had two kind of notations on the But It's Mercer um, commentary. Um, but It's Mercer has, you know, 22 starters. But It's Mercer has real collegiate athletes. And, you know, I understand that commentary, but it was, it was awesome to go out there and um, – hang what we did. Um, second bullet point on it, I did feel a little bad for quote-unquote, but it's Mercer because we were throwing the ball up like 52-7 to seven or something, Stephen. I, I get it, QB contest, but kind of hate airing it out against him that, with that big of a score delta. Well, it also matters that, like, there was a point in the fourth quarter to where Ole Miss had a five-star quarterback on the field throwing the ball to four-star wide receivers – um, the running back was the backup running back at Oregon State. And this was like our extreme mop-up time, like the Kincaid Dent mop-up time. Um, and I, this Ole Miss team, they're just different. They are. Look, I, I've never been disappointed to see 73 hung, so I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. I was darn happy. You know, after the first play of the game, I'm in a group text. We call Road Rebs. Shout out to the boys. But uh, I said in the in the group text, guys, you know, after that first defensive play uh, where Mercer housed it, you know, 75 yards, uh, I started, I will admit, I started getting a little worried. I said I may need to add a little more Tito's to this uh, Bloody Mary uh, if, if the game progresses like that. But quickly turned was a, 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 great, a great ending to a uh, not-so-great start. You know, what is kind of interesting, um, after that 75-yard run, which would be 75 yards rushing for people um, with Mississippi education, such as myself, they had, mi they had 73 at halftime. So other than that run, they had minus two yards rushing. They ended up with a total of a little under 300 yards, take away that 75 yards, and it's about 200. Everybody talks about how Mississippi State was dominant in their defensive performance. They give up like 230 yards rushing and a touchdown. So I'm not saying uh, – I'm just saying other than one play, it was a pretty dominant defense performance. But I do think people might be a little bit upset because Mercer actually does a decent job of scheming plays open from time to time. That touchdown run was completely schemed open. They do things that make us move certain ways, and they attack the space that we left. Um, we did a decent job. That's the reason we look slow at times, trying to diagnose what we were actually seeing 
because this was the first game of the system. I think the defense is going to be fine. I think the defense, other than the first play, played as well as the offense did. Yeah, I was perfectly fine with the defense. Um, look, I've, everybody had a little scare there in the beginning, but, Stephen, you touched on something I saw a lot on Twitter or other um, outlets of Ole Miss football, uh, the defense playing quote-unquote slow. I really didn't necessarily get that vibe, so yeah. I'm kind of surprised to hear everybody say that. And if anything, I saw where uh, – Gosh, I forgot who it was. One of our cornerbacks didn't get burned on a route at all. He just was probably out of position for a split second. But his speed made up for it, and he ended up deflecting the ball. And I pointed that out to my brother. We, we were watching the game. I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to be much of a game today. So, if anything, well, I, don't, I didn't take away slowness at all. I think slowness from the fan base and um... – I don't want to say the casual fans because we're all diehards if we're paying attention to what's going on and we're debating the game. But somebody that might not be a graduate-level scholar in defense looking at exactly what happens, whenever you don't know exactly what you're looking at, it causes your reaction time to be just a split second slower. So it's not going to look like it normally does. They run Mercer runs a ton of misdirection, a ton of motion, um, they're doing a lot of unbalanced stuff. It's designed to slow down your defense mentally. And that's the reason the defense looked what it was. Whenever the play started and once they diagnosed it, Mercer still wasn't able to do anything because of the athleticism that the defense had. It was not anything related to the athleticism of the defense. I think it had to do with the um, slowness and, and the mental slowness and kind of diagnosing what is actually happening. Because if we're going to be real about this, I'm not imagining Pete Golding spent a whole bunch of time studying and practicing Mercer on scout team. Whenever they were doing all the intricate stuff that they do, I think that Pete Golding probably knew that his athletes were better than their athletes and will just make do. And Mercer made a play. They did. Uh, but it wasn't anything that was fatal. Yeah, I think Lane Kiffin even made a joke about it in the press conference saying something along the lines of like, uh, Pete, we pay you. We paid you a lot of money to come over here. Uh, you better kind of clean it up or something like that. And solicited a laugh when he said that, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't think the game was ever in doubt. Never a question. wasn't a question at the beginning of the game. wasn't a question, really ever. And um, yeah, uh, slowness to me is a adjective that I didn't really pick up on from the commentary from from everybody else. Yeah, I, th I think that had that was more of a Mercer thing, but Ole Miss just had athletes and athleticism for days and was able to mask it and do enough, honestly, other than the first play, because other than that first play, it was essentially 200 yards on the day. But you talked about a fast start by Ole Miss, the game never being in doubt. The big winner in that day was other than Jackson Dart, because Jackson Dart was the number one rated Power 5 quarterback by PFF. And we've all talked many times how the numbers at PFF doesn't really mean anything, but they count them. People look at them. They're on NBC. So we're probably going to talk about it whenever they do that. But Trey Harris was probably the big winner getting four touchdown passes and breaking a school record in a little over half. Man, he looked good. I mean, I did not expect that at all. I've, everybody's read positive reports from, you know, his, um, you know, previous games and, you know, what little practice he's been able to encompass uh, in the off season. But 
because there wasn't a whole lot there, man, he kind of caught me by surprise. I was like, I was amped up, Steven. I guess I just, you know, we've got so many weapons on this offense. I think sometimes Trey Harris just may have flown under the radar. Everybody's talking Aiden Williams and, you know, some of these other receivers. And I think Trey Harris, at least in my opinion, kind of got forgotten about until he showed up big on game day. You know, whenever you look at Trey Harris after the catch, and this is just after the catch, although he used his hands very well. He did have a drop in the day, and that's probably the reason he wasn't the highest graded wide receiver of the week on PFF. But when you look at his athleticism after the play, I saw a lot of pre-injury Laquan in what Trey Harris did after he caught the ball. That's awesome. What a comparison. And, you know, you're not the first person, I don't think, to make that comparison. Body type, he reminds – I see that. I see AJ. I see Laquan. He's got a bigger build receiver. Um, but, man, he caught me by surprise. I was I was happy. I mean, it was awesome. You know, if you look at the other wide receivers, Jordan Watkins had a day quietly. Everybody's talking about Trey Harris. Jordan Watkins was good out of the slot on Saturday. The punt return was dope. I completely like was out of my seat yelling at the TV. It's been so long. I think somebody on the uh, the announcer made a notation ten years, and I was just like, I forgot Ole Miss had that capability. Uh, so it, that was awesome to see. Yeah, I mean Jordan Watkins also I think had a touchdown called back due to holding uh, that uh, would have amplified his numbers even more. So, yeah, great game for him. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot to pick apart of negatives when you go out there and route somebody 73 to 7. One thing that's really interesting that I'll pay attention to, um, and yes, this morning's show, um, I talked about the evolving and evolution of the quarterback Jackson Dart. And starting with the defensive front of Tulane, I want to see some quicker processing. I want to see him. Um, do a little bit more sooner with his RPO. And not everything has to be 20 yards downfield. I do want to see some stuff closer to the line of scrimmage. This isn't a situation like our questions about him in the middle field. This is all about development and things that we'd like to see because once Alabama gets on the schedule, you might not have time to do 20-yard RPO throws. So you need something a little bit quicker. Now, I realize Caden Prescorn will be back by then. Zachary Franklin will be back by then. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. the slant now, king. Yeah, and whenever that happens, it's going to change. It's going to look a little bit different. But I still would like to see against Tulane, with it being a better defensive front, against that offensive line, you'll be able to see the offensive line get some work done, and you'll hopefully be able to see Jackson Dart make some quick decisions at the line of scrimmage, knowing exactly what he's going to do. Yep. I agree with all that. Um, and, you know, I think he's severely progressed in that endeavor from last year. I mean, I think everybody was very complimentary of him in fall camp. And I think he went and absolutely balled out. Like I said, comma, asterisk, but it's Mercer. But uh, at the same time, I, but I, it's 73. You can't ask for much more. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. And defensively, we talked about the first play of the game, and um, Suntarian Perkins actually led the team in tackles. He had nine for the game. Suntarian, who I have claimed over and over, and you go back to the Under Armour All-American game and hear me talk about Suntarian Perkins. 
In the Under Armour All-American game, I referred to him he's never stepped on a football field when he wasn't the best player on it. I'm not 100% sure he still has. Look, I I always said I think he's going to be an incredible athlete. I think he has potential to be a top Ole Miss linebacker in history of the program. I have extremely high expectations for him. But I sat there and said, look, he's skinny. He needs – Skinnier needs to get in an in. Yeah, he's not skinny. Skinnier. Slim. Yeah. Slim needs yeah. to get in the SEC weight room a little bit, I think. And but he's got the build, and you know, I just didn't expect him to come in day one and start. You know, with with the with the production he had immediately. I just if you had told me he had you know nine tackles and led the team, I'd probably say, well, I don't know. That seems like a lot. Um, but my goodness, he, uh, he had a day and you know, you, you, you pull for guys like that. It, it's hard not to. Yeah, the cop that you got from Centarian Perkins during recruitment was Harold Perkins. And what scares me right now is Ole Miss, Ole Miss do not Harold Perkins, Centarian Perkins. What I saw in the Florida state LSU game, they were in the process of completely ruining Harold Perkins. Do not do that with Suntarian. I, I don't know how you handle it, but it's not that way. Yeah, and look, I think he's so versatile that you can put Suntarian Perkins at multiple different positions and just kind of let him go do his thing and be the best athlete on the field, whether it's, you know, he, we can line him up in probably four or five different sets and just say, hey, go ball out, and that's kind of what he did against Mercer in basic packages. So I'm, I mean, I'm only the, this, the, I'm only more optimistic than what I've seen against Mercer already. So maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid Steven, but uh, couldn't be higher on Suntory Perkins. So um, are you surprised that it was a three man defensive line? It was three, four. Um, you know, I don't know. I just like, I, I just, at this point, I just sit there and say, "Golden, go, go, take care of it." No, it was it was old school three four. It was old yeah. school. Cedric Johnson played on the outside, and then Perkins was on the other outside. Uh, but it, for everybody that says this is four two five and all of this going on, it was just kind of funny that once again, no nobody had really any idea. I saw something that like Ole Miss put out there. Did you see this? That Ole Miss put out their depth chart today and like with their starting formations and all that. And everybody was like, I cannot believe that how inaccurate this was. I mean, I don't know if Kiffin and Golding are just trolls or what the deal is. But oh, depth, that's, depth charts are worthless, but it is yeah. still fun to see exactly where people line up. But yeah, that's they're, kind they're, of they're my thought nice. on it too. I thought the same thing. Yeah, pe- people don't realize that in this job, it is our job just to have stuff to talk about. And so having a depth chart, whether it's true or not, that's irrelevant. It just has to exist. It's, it's kind of like a ranking, like the Locked On Top 25. Just the fact that that exists gives us something to talk about, things like that. Well, it existed, and it existed seemingly wrong. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, speaking of depth chart, though, uh, what did you think about um, kind of all the tight end shakeup? Um, I, a, I, I'm gutted for Hudson Wolf. Uh, I mean, gutted that, is an understatement yeah. of the year. I mean, yeah. so sorry for the guy. Hate it for him. I just hope he rebounds and has the best 
year he could possibly have. I just I hate it so much. Yeah, his catch he made on the sideline, the tight end production in the first game was actually excellent. Six or seven catches, eight catches, something like that from the top three. Um, I, I I like Kyron Heath. Kyron Heath is going to be a dude. He he looks like an SEC tight end. Um, he is going to grow. He is going to perform. He's probably going to be a weapon this week at Tulane. Michael Trigg looked engaged. He looked present. He looked fired up that he was getting to play football in number zero. He he, he I I don't want to get my hopes up because we've been I, my hopes have been up. Times. Yeah, my hopes have been up. We've been burned so many times. But with Hudson Wolf being injured and Caden Priestcorn still a couple of weeks from coming back, there's an opportunity for Michael Trigg to kind of be a dude and to get in the rotation. So by the time Alabama happens, 12 personnel is possible. All the stuff that we talked in preseason is possible. And I, I, I every time I get my hopes up and I'm like, uh, we need to quell. But it is small victories with Michael Trigg at this point. Well, I was going to say, Stephen, it's not a possibility at this point. It's just necessity. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a fact. I mean, right now, with uh, we touched on lightly, you know, Hudson Wolf potentially with a collarbone, broken collarbone, and then Prescorn uh, having surgery on his foot. You know, I mean, which will be back that, for Bama, so we got about two weeks. Uh, I agree and hope so, but I mean, at some point, you know, we're, we went from the deepest room on the team potentially, to Trigg better kind of step up and make a play. Uh, I hope. I mean, uh, just uh, sit there and say it's just time. Yeah, and, and and I expect Michael Trigg to play some tight end this weekend. And I expect some things to happen out there. And But Kyron Heath, he is the number two. When Caden Priestcorns comes back, he's going to be the number one. So it's not like a – like a thin room because Ole Miss normally runs 11 personnel. So if there's two, there's plenty. There's going to be fine. So we can see if if Trigg is present and those things that we saw against Mercer, if he does that again, Ole Miss will be fine. They'll be so you don't think you team. don't think Trigg will start against uh, Tulane? Kyron Heath had had essentially won the job. Not as far as second string. He he was kind of the number two, I think. Now, it's a possibility that Michael Trigg plays against Tulane and they do like a faux 10 personnel where the tight end is lined up off the line of scrimmage to where they're basically running four wide receivers, but one of them being a tight end. I can see a scenario like that that Trigg starts. I think if Ole Miss is planning on running the ball and trying to um, basically check the dipstick of Tulane's manhood, if they're wanting to do that, I think Kyron Heath will be in the game. Uh, speaking of running the ball, uh, do you think Judkins gets a little bit bigger workload uh, this week? Not. I hope, I hope not. not too. I hope not yeah. as well. Yeah. But that's um, I'm asking. I mean, I I don't. What I, keep, what do you have? Thirteen carries or something this week? Yeah, put him in the backfield just enough to where the defense keys on everything that he is doing, and then throw the ball all over the field until <laughs> Alabama. Yeah, because that that's what it, that's the amazing thing that I've pointed out in all these videos. Every defense is going to come in with the idea that if we have to stop number four, he has to be our primary focus. So that is opening up for Jackson Dart can have a day. He's going to get favorable looks in the secondary because they're having to roll coverage over to deal with the running game. So Quinshawn Judkins is probably going to play a lot. I don't think he's going to touch the ball a lot. I'm expecting 
13 to 17 touches over the course of the day. There, yeah, that's more. I mean, that's probably more than I was guessing, honestly. So, uh, yeah. You I'd have, you have to do it a little bit to keep them honest. Yeah. But once SEC plays starts, it's going to be 25 to 30, in my opinion, between running the ball and catching the ball. Yep, I, I'm, I get it. I'm, I'm with you on that. So what else – what are you looking for this weekend against the Green Wave? First off, uh, I will say hopefully some uh, better Rebels than I am. I'm not going to be at the game, but um, the, ended up buying the two-lane season tickets just to go to this game and sell, uh, sell the remainder of their tickets, uh, the two-lane season tickets, and hopefully – On the game timeout? I don't know what they're saying. I have no idea. What is the game? I don't even, I'm not familiar with the Game Time app. Game Time app is a sponsor of my show that is. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry. Gotcha. There we go. Uh, no, I I uh, have no idea about that, but I'm glad for the plug now. But uh, all that to say, yes, I hope that they can end up making some. Uh, yeah, making some noise, bringing some people to the game. You know, what is it? 25,000. Oh, I like that. There you go. Yeah, that, the Stewart's Cajun Dill Pickles, by the way. If you're going down to New Orleans, they are at Rouse's Market, or you can order them. The link is down in the description if you're interested about that. But Dill Pickles are will be fine for the um, any Ole Miss fan, any college football Saturday. We lost Pratt. Um, so, they, yep, he's back. He's gone. We'll see if he comes back in real quick. Um, if not, we will um, get out of here because we've been doing this for about 21 minutes. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll be on the hometown broadcast. We'll be on Sirius XM um, channel 190. That'll be David Kellum and the boys as well. Um, talking a little bit of Ole Miss football live from Yulman Stadium down in New Orleans. That's 230 Central channel 190 or the SXM app. Search Ole Miss Rebels. Pratt, before we get out of here, any last thoughts? No, uh, I would love to get a score prediction from you, though. Um, I'm probably going to go, I'll say, 42-21 Rebs. I'm, I'm thinking 31-14. Okay, all right. Uh, what's is, the spread, is, seven? It, last I saw, it was seven, seven points. I'll have to look um, for Thursday's show. I'm doing a crossover with um, – um, Gary Smith, Jerry Smith, I, he's got a weird spelling of his name, so it's kind of Parks and Rec um, with me a little bit. Um, so I have to get the line together for him as well. But, yeah, I, last I saw it was seven and a half points. I figure it's going to be ten by kickoff, sponsored by I think Fanduel. the Rebs cover seven for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I would take – I would lay the points any way up to about 11 points. I think that's the I, – I feel confident in ten and under – um, with Ole Miss football right now. There we go. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Thank you to Pratt Rogers for joining the show. We've got a lot of good football this weekend. Lots of games. Ole Miss and Tulane, Alabama and Texas kind of lead the way. You can check out the college football kickoff show on Friday from 11 to 1 Eastern where we do all the national games as well. So for Pratt Rogers, I'm Stephen Willis. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Hotty toddy. See ya.